It was late November in 2016 when Joel Michael Guy and his wife Lisa were getting ready for their Thanksgiving feast. Their children would be coming to celebrate the holiday in their two-story home located on a beautifully well-groomed corner lot on Goldview Lane in Knoxville, Tennessee. Lisa was getting ready to retire and the couple just sold their house. The happy couple was planning their last family get-together in the old family home before moving to a house in the mountains, 90 miles away. The family would look forward to having a family reunion there for Christmas. After a wonderful Thanksgiving with their three daughters and son, they would soon return to routine until Lisa's upcoming retirement. But on November 26th, she didn't show up for work. Her co-workers became worried because it was her last day of work, and it was her retirement. They repeatedly called her phone with no answer. As concern grew for Lisa, they called the police to perform a welfare check. Several Knox County officers responded to the Golden View Lane home, where it appeared empty and quiet. From the outside, everything seemed normal. However, officers thought it was odd that the house was for sale but did not have an estate lock on the front door. After investigating further, the officers gained access inside the home. Once inside the house, officers found that the thermostat was set to 90 degrees. Lying on top of the table were Joel and Lisa's wallet and a sledgehammer. Officers continued to search the home, discovering a stockpot boiling on the stove. Removing the lid, they would discover Lisa Guy's decapitated head. Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources can be found at tamsinleecrimsonsin.podbean.com and also in the description. If you haven't already, make sure to check out my Buy Me a Coffee page so you can stay up to date with all the latest news about this podcast. I want all of my listeners to stay informed of the latest happenings with the show. And if you so choose to send me a cup of coffee, that is great and very much appreciated. If you can't, don't sweat it. My main purpose for creating an account on there is to keep my listeners informed of any delays and to interact with my Crimson Sinners. I appreciate all the support I receive from everyone who listens, comments, and shares. I also have some exciting news that I will announce in the coming days, so please look forward to that. With that said, if there are any details I may have overlooked, please provide them in the comments. I always look forward to all comments from my listeners. Also, if you have a case you would like to request, please provide those in the comments as well. This case is very similar to a previous case I researched about the Chinese Hong Kong socialite Abby Choi. Researching this case, I could see a lot of similarities between the two cases, especially in motive. So this episode contains some graphic details, so be warned. 
I had to step away from this research quite a few times because the details were just that horrible. Seriously, I had to go look at funny animal videos, listen to music, watch my favorite anime, and like play with my daughter just to digest some of what I had read and seen and to somewhat try and forget about it. Just to disassociate myself from it so that it, it was just, the details are just that, that horrible. Today's episode brings us to Knoxville, Tennessee during Thanksgiving 2016. A joyous celebration for a couple about to retire and start their golden years. Only to have their dream shattered in the most gruesome way imaginable. Joel Guy Sr. and his wife Lisa built a successful and accomplished life together. He was a pipeline engineer and Lisa worked in human resources as an accounts payable administrator. Joel had three daughters from a previous marriage. On March 13, 1988, Joel Guy Sr. and Lisa welcomed their son, Joel Guy Jr. His family would call him Joel Michael as a means to distinguish Jr. from Sr. Jr. had a very good life growing up as his parents made sure he had everything he could ever want or need. His half-sisters would describe Joel as a recluse and would rarely leave his room, but he was smart. During his high school years, Joel Jr. went to the Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts in Natchitoches and graduated in 2006. As I'm from Louisiana, I can tell you that that is a really good school. That is where really smart people go. <laughs> and I believe it's kind of like a boarding school where the kids stay there. So his parents would have stayed, you know, in Tennessee while he stayed in Louisiana in high school. He would then go on to spend a semester at George Washington University before dropping out. Later, he attended Louisiana State University to study plastic surgery. However, he withdrew in 2015. Joel Jr. would remain in a Baton Rouge apartment, living lazily off his parents. By the time Joel Jr. was 28 years old, he had spent nine years without graduating and never worked. Still entirely dependent on his parents to support him while living in Louisiana as a quote-unquote student. Most of Lisa's paychecks went to her son. His parents paid for living expenses, food, insurance, and whatever else he needed while living in Louisiana. As he was a student in college, Joel Sr. and Lisa had no problem supporting their son. They hoped that once he graduated, he would become more independent. But as the couple grew older, they needed to start thinking about their retirement. There was no way they would have enough to have a happy retirement while maintaining their son's lifestyle. Joel Jr.'s half-sister Angela stated, Our dad said that Joel Michael was going to be cut off and was going to have to stand on his own two feet. Lisa agreed. In some of my research, it stated that Joel Sr. was fired while others stated that he had retired. 
Either way, we know that the financial situation did take a hit from either circumstance. He was 61 years old and his wife was 55, both looking forward to a more quiet life. With plans of moving to Joel Sr.'s late mother's house in the mountains, it was reported that Joel Jr. was then given several months to plan and make arrangements for the day he would be cut off financially from his parents. But Joel Guy Jr. knew all too well of his parents' finances. And he wanted it all. The happy couple decided to host Thanksgiving at their home one last time before moving. They happily chatted with their children and spent time with their grandchildren. Joel Jr. appeared to even be in a festive mood, as his half-sisters stated that he was talkative and playing with his nieces and nephews, something that his sisters noted as odd, as he was more of a recluse. The sisters believed that their brother didn't even know their children's names. If he did decide to show up for holidays, which was a rare occasion, he would always spend his time in his room. Joel Jr.'s childhood room was kept just the way he had left it, with childhood pictures still on display and his toys still tucked neatly in the box where he had left them. After a successful family feast, the three daughters left their parents' home, returning back to their own lives. Joel Jr. remained at his parents' house, expected to return home to Louisiana on the 26th. But no one was prepared for the grisly events that were about to unfold. As Joel Jr. had been planning for this night for a while. On November 7th, Joel Jr. could be seen on camera at an Ace hardware store buying several chemicals, including muriatic acid, and food-grade hydrogen peroxide. On the 18th, he was seen at Home Depot purchasing a bleach sprayer, extension cords, and a timer. While purchasing these items, it is worth noting that he used cash and most often used self-checkouts. The following day on November 19th, Junior is caught on camera at an Academy Sports store purchasing a marine-style kabar knife, which a kabar knife is a utility knife that is used for things such as opening cans, digging trenches, and cutting wood, roots, wire, and cable. Many soldiers, airmen, sailors, and marines opt to carry the kabar into combat instead of more modern blades, so that should speak volumes as to what this knife is capable of. On November 21st, Joel Jr. is seen at a Knoxville Walmart purchasing two large plastic bins. From just this footage of him going to these stores and purchasing these various items, it can be assumed that Joel Jr. was preparing for something big, like a big job. At around 11 a.m. on November 26th, Lisa Guy left the home to go grocery shopping while her husband went upstairs to the exercise room. While his mother was away, Joel Jr. followed his dad into the exercise room 
where he began to stab him from behind. There was a bit of a struggle as the blinds were torn down and the exercise machine was flipped over. But Junior got the better advantage, stabbing his father over 30 times. When his dad lay motionless, he cut his clothes from his body. While this incident was taking place, Lisa was captured on camera checking out her groceries. When she arrives home, she drops the groceries off in the foyer and heads upstairs, unknowingly walking straight into her death. Joel Jr. met his mother at the top of the staircase where he repeatedly stabbed her with his knife, resulting in nine of her ribs becoming severed. He then cuts off his mother's clothing. He then begins to ferociously dismember the bodies of his mother, Lisa Guy, and his father, Joel Michael Guy Sr. Junior proceeds to cut his father's hands off at the wrist, sever his arms at the shoulder blades, sever his legs at the hips, and remove his right foot at the ankle. Junior then proceeded to dismember his mother in the same fashion, but chose to also decapitate her. This part I really don't want to say, and I could not believe what I read, but it shows the true animalistic, barbaric side to the perpetrator. So, he did not use an instrument to decapitate her head. It was later determined in Lisa's autopsy that her head was broken off from the rest of her body. Joel Jr. then placed his parents' torsos and limbs into two 45-gallon plastic containers that held a chemical solution and set the home's thermostat to 90 degrees. He also placed his mother's head in a large metal pot, leaving it to simmer on the stove. Before he was finished, he inflicted one more wound on their bodies so the chemicals could seep into the central cavity as a means to speed up the decomposition process. He then left his parents' home to head back to his Baton Rouge apartment and to also have the wounds he received on his hands from the struggle with his father looked at. I think we can all agree that this is absolutely grotesque. I just... I can't even imagine how someone could feel this way toward someone, especially their parents. I mean, that... That is just so out there for me. <laughs> On the 26th, Lisa Guy's supervisor could not get in touch with her. It was uncharacteristic of Lisa to not show up for work, and not to mention not attend her own going away party. After calling Lisa several times without an answer, she decided to call the police for a welfare check. When officers arrived at the guy's home, there were many things amiss. 
Upon first glance, it would seem that there wasn't anything wrong, but it was too quiet. As I mentioned earlier in the show, the first thing the officers noticed was the house was missing the real estate lock from the front door. Inspecting the front door, they were able to determine that the deadbolt lock did not match the knob. So they continued to investigate the exterior of the house. This is when they found the groceries lying on the floor in the foyer. Another thing the officers noted was being able to feel the heat emanating from within the home, which also contained an odd chemical stench. Because the groceries left on the floor in the foyer were perishables, the unusual condition of the locks and the strange chemical smell, authorities felt that they needed to enter the home to ensure no one was in need of assistance. An officer opened one of the guys' vehicles and pressed the garage door opener, giving them access to the house. A body cam video shows law enforcement entering the home, walking into a nightmare. The footage showed a wallet and sledgehammer on a table. They also found guns lined up next to one another. In the kitchen, a large metal pot simmered on the stove. The walls of the house were drenched in blood, and the floor was covered in blood-soaked clothing. A dog could be heard barking somewhere upstairs as the officers continued searching the home. Law enforcement made their way up the blood-stained stairs to discover Joel Sr.'s hand lying in the hallway. Detective McCord stated, Walking through the downstairs of the house, nothing made sense to me. You can see straight down the hall and I saw hands, not connected to a body. At that point, the other officers held the hallway and we started doing standard building clearing. I will never get those smells out of my head or my dreams. Police then discovered two large plastic bins filled with a chemical solution inside a bathroom. Inside each container, they witnessed the dismembered corpses of Joel Sr. and Lisa Guy. Throughout the night, the forensic team worked tirelessly to process the horrifying scene officers unknowingly walked in on. However, investigators were able to find more supplies throughout the upstairs portion of the house. The supplies included a bag of baking soda, liquid fire, muriatic acid, sewer line cleaner, lye, drain opener, bleach, food grade peroxide, and a bleach sprayer. Searching in Joel Jr.'s childhood bedroom, authorities discovered a red backpack leaning against a wall containing several books with his name and a notebook. This notebook would be the greatest evidence they discovered against Joel Guy Jr. The notebook contained detailed notes which outlined his intent to kill his parents and served as a plan or checklist 
This notebook would later be referred to in the trial as a premeditation book. Inside this notebook, things such as get sledgehammer, crush bones, and get killing knives, quiet, multiple pieces, could be found written on the pages, even detailing that mutilating the bodies would speed up decomposition and might melt fingertips. Another telling entry stated, he's not alive to claim half of the life insurance, all mine, 500,000. We will come back to more of the alarming things found inside the notebook shortly, but right now let's continue with the investigation. Instantly, Joel Jr. was the number one suspect to authorities. Not only is the notebook damning evidence, but he could potentially inherit his mother's life insurance money. Obviously, authorities put together that Joel Guy Jr. murdered his parents for money or greed. But what he did not plan was to be caught so quickly, or at all. The plan was for Guy Jr. to kill both his parents and make it appear as if his father had done it. After getting his parents out of the way, his intention was to flood the house in order to cover up any forensic evidence. But luckily, his plans were foiled by his mother's co-workers requesting a welfare check. Due to this, he was unable to finish the cleanup and disposal process to finish his crime. It did not take investigators long to find out where Joel Guy Jr. was. He was under police surveillance for two days before law enforcement arrested him. On Tuesday, November 29, 2016, at roughly 3.45 p.m., he was arrested outside his Baton Rouge apartment while getting into his vehicle by the FBI New Orleans Division's Baton Rouge Safe Streets Task Force in the East Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office. Joel Michael Jr. pleaded not guilty to the first-degree murder charges and went to trial in October 2020. During his trial, Joel Jr.'s defense presented no evidence. In the defense's closing statement, he simply argued that Joel's family had described him as friendly and outgoing. And therefore, someone with those traits would never do what he is being accused of. Like, that was, that is just such a weak defense, you know? Wow. But during the trial, more graphic details about that day emerged. State prosecutors stated that this was a crime scene unlike many others in the United States and warned the victims' families and attendees if they felt as though they would be emotionally overwhelmed to leave the courtroom. As the prosecution started going into the graphic and horrible details, Junior simply sat staring blankly into nothingness. Nothing affected him at all. No emotion, no remorse. Authorities believe that the guys were murdered somewhere between mid-Friday and early Saturday. According to Prosecutor Nazios, 
Joel Sr. suffered 42 sharp force injuries. The strikes were so brutal, so fierce, that 12 marks were left on his ribs. The marks ranged from scratches to severing. Significant damage was caused to his lungs, liver, and kidneys. He also received an injury so severe on his shoulder that a fragment of the weapon was found in the muscle tissue. His hands were removed from the wrists, arms at the shoulders, legs at the hips, and foot at the ankle. After unsuccessfully fighting for his life, his clothing was cut off from his body and left in a bloody pile on the floor. Lisa was stabbed 31 times, inflicting 21 significant injuries, stab wounds to the buttocks, and severing nine of her ribs. Her arms were removed at the shoulders and her legs severed below the knees. Lisa's clothing was also cut from her body and left on the floor. Both bodies were then placed in two 45-gallon containers with a homemade acid solution, consisting of bleach, drain cleaner, sewer line cleaner, hydrogen peroxide, and other chemicals to quickly dissolve the bodies. Prosecutors even described the discovery as a diabolical stew of human remains. The prosecution then brought Guy Jr.'s notebook into play. The notebook served as a type of checklist and kind of like a set of instructions. It also included notes such as, you know, bring a blender and a food processor. The notebook detailed bringing a sledgehammer to crush his parents' bones, bringing a blender and food grinder to grind meat, and flush chunks down the toilet. So investigators found receipts also for all of the stuff he bought. The courtroom was also made aware of the fact that when Junior was arrested in Louisiana, he had a meat grinder in the trunk of his vehicle. This notebook methodically listed how he would kill his parents and then destroy the evidence. The only thing that appeared to have weighed on his conscience was the dog. As it stated, kill dog, but then he had crossed it out and replaced it with take the dog with you. So apparently his parents' dog held a little bit more sentiment than his actual parents, which is messed up. I mean, I agree, don't kill the dog, but I mean, don't kill your, don't kill anybody either. That's Oh my gosh. <laughs> His notes continued to describe how he would begin the forensic manipulation process and dismemberment with writings such as place her in shower, turn on hot water, and point it at her to get rid of forensics. Remove her clothes and take them with me for disposal. Cut off his arm Implant his flesh under her fingernails. Place her hand with his DNA so that his DNA is not washed away by the shower. 
place hair curler with flammable paper and flammable containers of gasoline in four locations. His killing room, her killing room, his bathroom, her bathroom. Guy Jr. listed his parents' assets in great detail, which also provided enlightening details as to how he would achieve gaining his parents' property, including life insurance, the Knoxville house, the Sirgoinsville house, the car, the SUV, the boat, and an old truck. If he were to have gotten away with this, and this is completely hypothetical, I do not understand how he thought his sisters would not have received anything from their father's inheritance. If no one ever suspected anything was amiss, he would have had to fight his siblings over the inheritance. If they wanted it as badly as he did, they would have to go to court and they would have to fight over it. And if it didn't go his way, what would he have done then? The same thing? He would have seemed very suspicious by that point. So for the life of me, I do not understand his line of reasoning, which is probably for the best, right? Guy Jr.'s trial lasted four days and involved more than 700 pieces of evidence and 27 witnesses. He was found guilty on all charges, including two counts of first-degree murder, three counts of first-degree felony murder, and two counts of abuse of a corpse. According to Knox County Judge Sword, the jury found him guilty unanimously on all seven counts. He was sentenced to life in prison on October 2nd, 2020 by Judge Sword, who stated this case was the most extreme form of abuse of a corpse he has seen in his 25-year career. He further stated that Junior thinks he's smarter than he really is, and commented that the crime was committed in a very unintelligent way. Judge Sword described how Guy Jr. showed no remorse during the trial and even appeared proud of his actions. He continued what he thought of Junior by stating that he has a depraved mind that would not change over time. Guy Jr. will not be eligible for release for 130 years. But Judge Sword said 300 years isn't enough time to reasonably relate to what Guy Jr. did. I am briefly going to go through the family impact statements that were read on October 2nd, 2020. I wanted to put out there things that honored the victims, as well as ones that showed how Joel Guy Jr.'s actions affected the family deeply. And I'm only going to read over some of the things. I'm not going to read their whole statements because while their statements in their entirety are important for time reasons, I think it is best to read what I thought were more memorable points in their speech. So Lisa Guy's brother, Alvin, stated, My sister, Lisa Guy, was truly one of the most loving caring, and forgiving people on the face of this earth. Her husband, my brother-in-law, Joel Guy Sr., was honestly 
one of the most down-to-earth, hardworking, and kind people I ever met. They were the type of people who would help out anyone, anytime they could. He also told how his mother collapsed upon hearing the news that her daughter was brutally murdered by her grandson. She would later die in the hospital. Alvin stated that his mother truly died of a broken heart. Joel Guy Sr.'s daughter, Tina, stated, For him to do what he did, I don't understand it. He has taken something from myself, from my children, dad and Lisa's grandchildren, my husband, and everyone in my family. He has taken from us what we will never get back. His daughter, Angela, told of how her father was a great storyteller, how she loved to go fishing with him, and how she was robbed of her father walking her down the aisle. She continued, I still have dad on speed dial, and it hurts for me to never to get to speak to him again. The last to speak was Senior's daughter, Michelle. I have had to spend the last four years trying to save my children's souls, their spirits, and their hearts. I have spent the last four years cleaning up a mess. No one will ever know what it's like to be a child having to hear your grandmother's head was cooking in a pot. As of 2023, Joel Michael Guy Jr. is serving out his life sentence at the Northwest Correctional Complex in Tiptonville, Tennessee. He will be eligible for parole on April 30th, 2136. I hope that all law enforcement in this case and the family can heal from this. It was truly a horrible crime that I could not imagine having to go through and listen to what your little brother, nephew, or loved one did to your, you know, parents or your sister, your daughter, your loved ones. I am beyond words at how graphic and barbaric Junior's actions were. My thoughts are with those who had to endure finding the gruesome scene and the family who had to listen to all of the atrocious details. I know this episode is short and I'm, I apologize again for my short episodes, but I know it was really sad, traumatizing, and very graphic. So after this episode, watch some funny animal videos on YouTube or look at cute animals and watch your favorite cartoon or anime. Anything to make you happy. <laughs> I literally had to do all of this to keep myself going through this research. This, this case was, it was just wow. <laughs> There's no words to describe it. <laughs> So what did you think of today's case? Do you think Junior received the sentence he deserved? Do you think he was born a monster or turned into one? Let me know what you think in the comments. Also, don't forget to check out my www.buymeacoffee.com slash Tamsin Lee to stay up to date with the latest news and more from me, Tamsin Lee. Thank you for your support and listening. Stay safe and I will see you for the next episode. Bye!